Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and best practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve presented by Deloitte and I'm your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have an interesting quote from a website I found called imageholders.com. Listen up. From the first board game, Senet, that's S-E-N-E-T, found in Egypt in 3100 BC to today's virtual gaming, facial recognition, and gesture control technology, tech has changed the way people game. Okay. No, we're not talking about games, board games, or video games, but it's the background for what we're talking about today. So let me give you a heads up here. In every industry today, leaders are looking for ways to keep pace with disruption, address rising consumer demands, and operate more efficiently, all at the same time elevating the human experience. Now, whatever industry you're in, wherever you are, whatever your maturity, this applies to your company. But for gaming, casino, and lottery organizations, the challenges have become Become especially real with the customer facing front lines dominated by some of what I talked about digital tools, terminals, and other machines. One gaming company, BC Lottery Corporation of British Columbia, remember that, is integrating the front end with the back end, connecting the customer experience to back office SAP solutions. What's the payoff? Why would they go to all this trouble? They're getting an enhanced, more secure player experience that is built to evolve. Which is the theme of the Kinetic Enterprise as BC Lottery's business evolves. What does this mean? It allows them to take advantage of the advantages of AI, that's artificial intelligence, machine learning, and other innovations. And what's the point of all this? To delight their customers. So welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise. Our topic today is an innovative bet on the future of gaming. I am Bonnie D. Graham, as I mentioned, and it's time for me to introduce my four panelists. I will simply read their names, and then I'm going to ask each of them to introduce themselves so you get to hear them in real time. So first up, we'll be hearing in a moment from Sean Hennessy. He's a partner in Deloitte, Calgary, Alberta, and he runs Deloitte's SAP practice for Western Canada. Joining him is Kevin Gass, G-A-S-S, Vice President at British Columbia Lottery Corporation, abbreviated as BCLC. Then we have Leslie Peterson. She's a partner with Deloitte and the Canadian and Chile lottery and gaming industry leader. I bet she loves her job. And finally, we're joined by Pat Davis, Vice President of Business Technology and CIO, that's Chief Information Officer at BCLC. Welcome to my esteemed panel. Let's get started. Sean Hennessy, please introduce yourself. What do you do? Morning, everybody. Thanks for uh, taking the time today. Um, I, uh, as, as Bonnie mentioned, live in Calgary, Alberta and look after the SAP practice for Western Canada for Deloitte. Uh, my career is basically centered around helping organizations with their uh, SAP implementations. And so, you know, over the past 20 years, that means everything from process design to optimizations and value realization. And I've worked a lot across a bunch of industries, um, had the pleasure of doing stuff in the energy and resource sector, at the transportation sector, and, uh, and, a, and a few different others, and, uh, and have the very fortunate to, to be working with uh, the BC Lottery Corporation in the gambling business. So uh, looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks. I bet your industry is exciting. We'll be talking about that. Thank you very much. Let's turn around. one more stop around the table to Kevin Gass at BCLC. Kevin, welcome to the show. Tell me, what do you do? 
Good morning, Bonnie, and thank you. Um, my name is Kevin Gass. I run the lottery business here at BCLC. My background is in marketing and communications. Um, when you're in the gambling business, you're talking typically a very big business. So just the lottery business alone is a multi-billion dollar business just in British Columbia. So my job is running that business day-to-day, developing products, marketing products, connecting to our customer, our players, most importantly, and and my really big job is to think into the future, what will our players want five, six, eight years from now? That's really at the heart of what I do. You, you must be very excited to go to work every day. Kevin, just quickly, how did you get into this field? How did you find yourself at BCLC or did they find you? Uh, they found me, and it was, an, again, one of those coincidences. I had my own company. We sold it. Um, I was looking for my next gig, and a mutual friend connected me to the CEO of, of uh, BCLC and said, hey, I'm looking for someone I think it might be you. So I started actually on the casino side of our business, and we were looking to get our casinos established into the Vancouver market, which was kind of holding uh, sort of a holdout. I led that effort, and that led to a permanent uh, position at the company, and and then ultimately to run one of our two businesses, the lottery business. Well, congratulations on snagging that job. Just quickly, Kevin, now we'll be talking to Pat Davis in a moment. Who are your customers? Who, who does BCLC serve? Is it casinos just in Canada, or are you branching into the U.S. or around the world? What do you, what, where do you, what's your branch out? What's your reach? So one of the interesting things in our business is that we are all geographically confined for the most part. So for instance, we can only sell lottery and operate casinos within British Columbia and our colleagues, whether it's in New York State or California or Ontario, live under that same restriction. One of the benefits of that is that we collaborate well together because we can't compete with each other um, just because of, of, of legalities, if you will. So it's, a, it's an interesting industry where we're all in a room and we're all facing similar problems, so we all work together to solve those problems, and that's very unusual in the business world. Well, it's very good, actually, in the business world. I'm, I'm glad yeah. you're a leader in co- cooperation, co- possibly co-innovation, uh, co-thought leadership. Great. Kevin, pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much. Leslie Peterson is next around the table. Leslie, welcome and tell us, you say you have an exciting job, too. What do you do? Yeah, I sure do, and, and thanks for thanks for that, Bonnie. So, good morning to everybody. Um, for me, it's actually the afternoon, and my day is wrapping up. I'm actually in uh, the UK today, um, and have been attending a lottery and gaming conference, uh, digital and customer conference um, here for the last couple of days, and so very much aligned to the role that I play in, in the organization. Um, I'm the technology strategy partner in our Vancouver, British Columbia office uh, up in Canada. Um, I spent the majority of my career working with various technologies, including ERPs and analytics uh, to support our clients' objectives. And and in fact, I actually started my SAP career um, 20 plus years ago working for a global airline. So it actually ties quite nicely into the hat that I wear with respect to the Canadian, uh, Chilean and uh, transportation hospitality and service. Uh, service leader. It's a lot of words. We just call it THS for short. Um, it is one of the fastest, fastest growing sectors um, uh, in the world and you know, as the world shrinks and, and technology and digital advancement um, as well as customer demands are changing. And so very, very exciting place to be. And, um, you know, the other key hat that I wear is as what we call our lead client service partner, where I work very closely with our client leaders and um, specifically BCLC. So uh, very happy to be on the call with them here today. 
We're, we're happy to have you, Leslie. I have to ask, you're in UK for a, a gaming conference. Do you play video games all Don't take this wrong way. Do you play video games all day? Do you, are you are you in a, a, a set up, a simulated casino uh, setting? Are you are you playing lottery? What, what do you, sl- uh, slot machines, I, I want to uh, say. Wh- what do you do? <laughs> what are you doing there? Well, uh, well, frankly, a little bit of all of that, to be honest. I actually watch other people playing video games and watching people betting on the players. So, um, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. They've got a bit of a uh, around, uh, around uh, sitting in a round setup where you're actually able to do that. And here you're actually looking at exploring different uh, technologies, um, uh, different ways to engage with the customer and the player to try and make it a seamless, effortless experience for them to want to engage and want to play and encourage the play. Uh, so it's really quite exciting to see the different advancements and the different ways that, um, that some of these organizations are looking at making, um, you know, uh, you know Payless, um, payless processing and the different types of evolutions of games, including engaging with sports. I think we all want to come over and visit you there. We'll do the show later. Thank you, Leslie. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And now let's move. I'm forcing myself. I want to hear more. Pat Davis, VP of Business Tech and CIO at BCLC. Welcome, Pat Davis. Tell us what you do. You also have an exciting job. Tell me. I do, absolutely. Thank you very much, Bonnie. So uh, as people have heard, from Kevin, we have a very interesting uh, cross-channel business, both casino lottery as well as online. And my role, both my and my team, are responsible not only for the operations of all of the technology footprint that uh, delivers that, but as well creating the enabling platforms, not only for meeting the demands of our business and our customers today, but also looking out forward in terms of what are those pieces of technology that we need to see on the horizon How do we leverage those to really, again, meet those future demands of our business and really the drastically uh, changing expectations of our customers, our partners, and we're a very partner-driven business. Uh, Some of our business is is delivered direct to consumer, but much of it is driven through a variety of very important partners for us. So how do we integrate with their platforms? How do we create the right technology uh, suites and, and areas that we can take advantage of to meet uh, what we need to do to deliver our results to our stakeholders and shareholders? So uh, it's not boring by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> Didn't think it was for a second there. What a panel. I'm, I'm fascinated with what all of you do. For those of you just for the first time hearing our show, The Kinetic Enterprise, Built to Evolve, the next part of the show I have asked my panelists in advance to send me an interesting quote that's not specifically about the topic, and I'm going to ask each of them to explain how they picked the quote, and in their own words, what it has to do with the topic. So Sean Hennessy at Deloitte, Sean has sent us a quote from Albert Einstein. I don't have to say much about him. He had crazy white hair. He was brilliant. He invented the theory of, he developed the theory of relativity and the world's most famous equation E equals MC squared German born theoretical physicist and his findings were one of the two pillars of modern physics alongside quantum mechanics. Way over way over my, my pay grade and my brain grade. Here's what Albert Einstein said and Sean will tell us what it has to do with our topic today. Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. Sean, great quote. What does it have to do with our topic about the gaming industry? Well, I mean, when I, when I thought about, uh, you know, the, the podcast and, and, and the idea of the kinetic enterprise, I can't hear that word kinetic without thinking about physics. And 
whenever I hear think about physics, I always connect myself back to uh, to Einstein and the reminds me of high school. And and I think the idea that like the imagery of of riding a bike and and it being really difficult to do that um, without uh, or doing that in in a way that you know you can keep your balance if you're not moving um, connects really well to. You know, what we're really talking about in, in the idea of continually evolving organizations and how they have to continually move um, and, and be set up to allow them to continually em- embrace the technology advancements that's in and around them. And, you know, one of, the, one of the other things that Einstein said was, you know, I, I love to travel, but I hate to arrive. And I think that's something that we kind of need to embrace in, in thinking about how technology will disrupt our lives. And rather than focus on the destination and, and, and trying to get there, but really enjoying the opportunity that we have in front of us, the world that's kind of being disrupted with the technology around us, and looking for ways to really enjoy the ride and, and, and put those uh, technology to changes in, in, in front of our, our businesses, our consumers, our customers to allow us to really change the way that, that uh, we interact with our customers. And so the kinetic enterprise to me is, is, is the idea and, and it relates to, to the lottery corporation in, in the way that, you know, they're, they're looking to try to make sure that they're, all this technology that's being introduced in and around them, that they're constantly moving and set up as an organization to allow them to keep riding that bike and, uh, and not really kind of stop in the process, but always be evolving in the, in the world around them. Thank you very much, Sean. Very interesting. You mentioned the word ride, the the metaphor being a bicycle. Isn't ride something you say when you're at a gambling table and you say, I'll, I'll let it ride, meaning leave leave what I've got on the table? I'm not much of a gambler, so I thought Leslie is laughing at me. What's that? That's close enough, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I welcome the I welcome the chuckles from all of you. I appreciate it. I'm not the expert here. You are. Let's move around the table to Kevin Gass at BCLC. And Kevin has sent us a very brief quote from Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi's original name was Mohan Das Karamchand Gandhi. 1869 to 1948, Indian lawyer, anti-colonial nationalist, political ethicist. I like that title. He used nonviolent resistance to lead the successful campaign for India's independence from British rule. We'll just leave it there. And by the way, Mahatma means great souled or venerable, and it's used throughout the world now. Here's the quote. The future depends on what you do today. I like that one. Kevin, how did you pick this quote? Well, from my introduction, you'll remember that my job is to really think about what's going to happen down the road. Um, I've got a tremendous team that sort of runs the business day to day, and they do a fantastic job. And so my job really is to think about where is the business going, where are consumers going, where are our players going, where is retail going, and to think about what we have to do today, what seeds do I have to plant today, what initiatives do I have to launch today in order to be ready and try to, to some extent, influence what's going to happen down the road. And I think, you know, we all know we can't predict everything. We can't control everything. And that's totally true. But we can have a huge influence. And I think that's the point of the quote, um, is that you have to do things today. You can't sit around and hope and wish, and maybe it might happen and maybe it might not, you have to actually take action, and it might not be the right action, but it will put you in a better place than if you did nothing, which I can't stand. 
I agree, and that's very interesting you said, which I can't stand, and Leslie may not be chuckling for that reason, but that leads to the quote she has selected, so we're moving around the table to Leslie Peterson. She sent us a quote from Chris Hadfield. I had no idea who he was. Chris Austin Hadfield, O-C-O-O-N-T-M-S-C-C-D, a lot of letters after his name. He's alive and well, born in 1959. Leslie, I call him a young man. That's the way, just don't ask. He's a Canadian retired astronaut, engineer, and former Royal Canadian Air Force fighter pilot. Woohoo! And I, I mentioned sitting down. That's part of the quote. But he was the first Canadian to walk in space. Yes. And he flew two space shuttle missions and was commander of the International Space Station. I'm glad you introduced me to him, Leslie. And here's the quote. Nobody ever accomplished anything great sitting down. So there's, there's the reference to standing up and sitting down. Leslie, how did you find this quote? Well, you know, honestly, ever since I was a kid, I always had dreams of being an astronaut. I've been fascinated by space and planets and the stars. Um, and today that's translated for me into, into the love of travel. And so, you know, as a, you know, experiencing Chris and, and how connected he became with people, um, you know, and, you know, the, the thought of gravity doesn't getting lost on me either. But, um, uh, you know, it, he's got many accomplishments, as, you, as you've rightly highlighted. And so, you know, when I think about his quote about no one ever accomplished anything sitting down, it's a great way of saying, you know, get off your behind, be bold, even brave, and move to grow. And so do something, do anything, but don't do nothing. So it's very much tied with what Kevin was sharing as well. And really, at the end of the day, um, you know, sitting still, being static is nice, it's comfortable, um, but really you won't get any growth or change or learning from that. And, and the two things really can't coexist. And so, you know, as we think about, you know, getting out of your own way, being bold and, and try, keep trying new things. And so it's about keeping on. And so today organizations are compelled and, and frankly, sometimes forced, you know, to mm-hmm. adapt and evolve and transform, um, you know, constantly to remain relevant and kinetic and, and competitive. And so, Sometimes the shifts are small. Sometimes they're major transformations. But uh, to reset a course. But at the end of the day, you know, you just have to do it. You just have to move. Very well put. And we used to call that not, don't rest on your laurels, we used to say. And now he says, don't just, can't do anything great sitting down. I love the quote. And thank you for introducing me to Chris Hadfield, Leslie. I appreciate that. I'm always intrigued and interested when panelists send me quotes from people I've never heard of. So thank you very much. First Canadian to walk in space. And by the way, I can tell your Canadian accent, Leslie, when you say the word about and process. Oh, goodness. Processing. Processing always comes through. I had a manager a couple of years ago who was Canadian. He would say, and let's do the processing. I know that very well. Leslie, thank you. Wonderful quote. Pat Davis has sent us an equally wonderful quote. Bravo to all four of you. This is a quote from Will Rogers, full name William Penn Adair Rogers, 1879 to 1935, an American stage and film actor, a vaudeville performer, a cowboy, a humorist, a newspaper columnist, I'm not done yet, and a social commentator from Oak. Oklahoma. He was a Cherokee citizen born in the Cherokee Nation, and he was known as Oklahoma's favorite son. Very interesting. He traveled the world three times, Leslie. Will Rogers went around the world three times. He made 71 films, including 50 silent and 21 talkies. This goes way back. And he wrote more than 4,000 nationally syndicated newspaper columns. Will Rogers was busy. Here's the quote Pat has selected. Don't let yesterday take up too much of today. Pat, explain for me. Sure, absolutely. You know, we're hearing a lot today about transformation, and for me, I think it's uh, a truism, like Marshall Goldsmith's book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And, you know, really when we think about 
understanding strategically where we're headed to, it's easy for us to get caught up in these orthodoxies around the way we've always done things and the way we approach it. And really, you know, when we're thinking about solving that interesting complex puzzle of how do we get to these new areas and outcomes and transform, we have to be careful that we don't just get caught up in the way we've always done it, that we look for those new and interesting ways to solve these problems and, and really come up with new things in our lives and our business. And the other part of this, too, I think, in this quote is just we live in a very complex world, and we're never going to get all of this right immediately all of the time. So it's also important not to dwell, I think, too much on some of these things and let that sort of supersede the great things you're trying to do and moving forward. So, you know, again, don't let too much of those things in the past uh, take up too much of what you're trying to do today and going forward. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the quotes. Obviously, the four of you put a lot of thought into selecting them, and that was very interesting. Thank you. Love the sources, too. Now is the part of the show where I have asked our panelists in advance to send me several statements about the topic. They're taken, and by the way, if you're just tuning in, this is the Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte, and our topic today is an innovative bet on the future of gaming. Very exciting topic, and it's all within the framework and the reference point of the kinetic enterprise so there so i'm going to look at uh, we're going to go through the first list of sean hennessy and sean i'm going to start with your first statement what i'll do is i'll read it and then i'll ask each of the other panelists to just briefly comment on what you said then i'll pick a statement from uh, we have kevin next and then one from leslie and then from pat let's see how much ground we can cover so sean hennessy said the following he said i believe the most successful businesses have a purpose that transcends the traditional P&L. I'm just going to stop there. Sean, why don't you explain this, please, and tell us what it means to you, and then we'll see what the others have to say. Yeah, I think it kind of ties in well with uh, Pat's quote around, like, don't let, you, let yesterday take up too much of today. Um, really kind of the point of this is that, you know, in, in historically, I think, you know, as organizations have, have looked and focused on trying to, you know, minimize costs and optimize manufacturing and throughput and maximizing profits and sales, et cetera, we've seen, you know, that, that be the, the, the traditional focus of organizations. And I think in more recent years, we've seen a, a bit of a shift in, in, in most organizations to kind of add in that third, the, that triple bottom line around social responsibility and what their purpose is. And, uh, and I think that that is becoming more and more important to organizations as, as they, they move forward. And, and to me, that's, that's becoming, that, that's a great thing. I mean, it's still very important, obviously, to measure in, uh, the bottom line and make sure you're a profitable organization. But I think moving forward, what, what organizations are going to be really focused on as well is is trying to make sure that they attract the right talent, they attract the right investors, and that's going to be a lot more than is, you know, the profitability of the organization, but really what their purpose is and how they're responding to those societal pressures that are, that are being applied to them. And, and as a result, you know, organizations have to be nimble uh, because we really can't predict a lot of what that might look like. And, and to, so to me, it's, it's around making sure that, that we're very, we're constantly sensing the environment around us for what is important to, to society and, and beyond our, our own internal controls of our bottom line and our P&L. That's kind of where I said it with that. Thank you. Interesting. Let's just go around the table and quickly get a couple comments, agree or disagree. Kevin Gass, you're up next. What do you think about what Sean just shared with us? Um, I think it's amazing, amazingly timely relative to, to our organization, BCLC. We are start, starting Monday. We have just hired a VP of social purpose. Ooh. And so 
Yes. And wow. so we are going to take a journey. And, you know, um, right now, the outcome of our business goes to government and government uses our profits for for public services, public betterment. And that's a wonderful thing. But we've decided to go above that. And we want our company to be a part of the social purpose movement. And that's really all about building a better world. And so we are going to start to look to find an area or areas that we can start to have an impact in that goes beyond kind of delivering big profits to government that go to public services. We want to take a more active position and really build that better world. And so we're on a journey and we've made it a priority. And that that leader for social purpose is going to be part of our executive team starting Monday. Kevin, this is the first time I've heard that term, and you know I do hundreds of shows a year with people on thought leadership panels from all over the world and all kinds of companies and industries. This is the first time I've heard that title, VP of Social Purpose. My goodness. Just quickly, what, what's, what is the description? Are they looking at uh, ethics, morality, uh, CSR, investments? Uh, and you talked about how governments use revenues from gaming. We know that. It happens in the States here, too. Yeah. But w- what are they looking for? So, so right now, we've been, I think, a very good corporate social responsibility company, and a lot of our focus, and it will continue to be, is on player health. We know that our products mm. have a, a uh, that certain people have problems with our products. It's a very small percentage, yes. but it's real, and those problems are significant. So player health has been a big part of our corporate social responsibility, and it will continue to be. Having said that, we feel we can go beyond that. Um, and, and social purpose is really that making the world a better place to live. Here's an interesting little story. I was on the the search panel for, for finding this, this new executive. Um, we worked with one of the major search firms. It was the single biggest response they've had to any position this entire year in any organization. We had over 150 applicants from around North America apply for this job. It was amazing. So clearly, we think we're onto Mm -hmm. something here. Yes. Oh yeah, you, you it resonated clearly not ju- not only the industry but the, the title, the concept, the purpose of the purpose of the job. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. We might have to do a whole show on on VPs of social purpose. I I just keep that in mind. Thank you Kevin. See what you did yes. Sean? You sparked this idea that that this is great. <laughs> Leslie, let's go around to you. Get in on this exciting part of the conversation. Leslie, what do you think about social purpose and beyond the PNL? What's your your POV on that? Yeah, no, I, and I, I can, I'm completely aligned with this as well, and it's very consistent with the other conversations that certainly I've been having with some of the other clients in the in the THNF space uh, and beyond, and you know, helping them to um, you know create uh, a vision or a brand for themselves is very much aligned with how they operate their business, and it goes all the way back through from the people to the processes and making sure that those things are in place um, to give you um, you know the credibility to be able to uh, serve and support that. That particular sector, so it's very, very topical right now, and um, certainly top of mind for uh, various uh, leaders across across the globe. Thank you very much, Pat Davis. You've got to join the party here. What do you think? Absolutely. So, just to build on that, I think one of the most interesting components of this is the reaction of our staff 
And, you know, we live in a world right now where the war for talent is really ramping up and it's difficult to get the right people. And the reaction from our staff as we evolved our strategies in this space and started to bring this in was really phenomenal. They really uh, grab a hold of this and it energizes them and, and really engages them because it's not just about the standard compensation or, you know, how do we deliver results? It's really about how do we make a difference and they can connect what they do daily to that and, and really be proud of that, I think, in new ways. So, you know, it really strengthens not only how you operate, um, but also, I think, the broader engagement and results for us as an organization. Thank you very much. Sean, you sparked a great conversation there. I'm moving on to a statement from Kevin Gass's list. And, Kevin, I'm going to go with statement number one you sent me. This is, I think, also revelatory, meaning it reveals something, at least to me. You say lottery gambling is a CPG business, consumer packaged goods. I, I need to hear about that. That must meet consumer demand for convenience, convergence, and personalization. Kevin, please expand on this. This is fascinating. Sure. So basically, I mean, I think a lot of people they look at the lottery part of our business and they think and they see it as you know kind of that that ticket, uh, be it a six forty nine ticket or a Powerball ticket. When we go into the retail market, and that's where most of our sales are done through retail stores, our retailers see us like they see Coca Cola or or Frito Lay or Cadbury as another packaged goods company. So that's the world that we have to operate in, and and so our players, their customers, come into their stores, and they select from a a vast array of consumer packaged goods. We are part of that array. And so as a consequence, we have to think a little bit like the Coca-Colas of the world in terms of how to connect to that consumer via the retailer. And as we've sort of explored that journey, um, we've discovered a number of things. So for instance, right now in the consumer marketplace, convenience is the battleground. Candidly, we're not quite where we need to be on convenience, um, and that means ease of choice, ease of purchase, all those kinds of things. We have to get a little bit better, and part of what Pat is working on is, is the technology, the infrastructure, the transformation to get us better at convenience. That's today's battleground. Two years from now, that's, that's table stakes, so we got to win that battle today. As we go into the future, convergence is going to be huge. It already exists with many other CPG companies. We're not quite there yet, but we have to be. And it's more than just a transactional website, which we've had for 15 years. It's really, from a player or a consumer point of view, digital enablement. Let use, use digital technology to make my shopping experience better and richer and more enhanced. And I want it uh, it's, it's got to be more than just a simple transaction as we go forward. And that really leads us to the third part of that statement, which is personalization. And that's, you know, make this special for me as an individual. And that's the piece that we are working on. And that's really kind of an enterprise-wide CRM strategy. And that's where you start to build in analytics and, and AI and all of those all of those tools start to come into play so that every customer that we have as they um, connect to us starts to feel that we are addressing them on a one-on-one basis. That's a huge challenge for us because we have literally, even in the small province of British Columbia, millions of customers. But that is the challenge that we have. And if we don't 
meet that challenge, then we're going to fall by the wayside, to be candid. So we have got to meet that challenge, and that's what we are trying to do with all of the investment that we're making in technology that my colleague Pat oversees. Kevin, this is is so interesting. I I never imagined that you would be talking about this. I read your comment about consumer packaged goods, and and I didn't realize how deep this goes. I feel like you and Leslie and Sean and Pat are taking us behind the scenes of what the gaming industry is right now. This is... Phenomenal. A little bit, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, yes, I feel a like it, the old phrase is opening the kimono. I don't know if that goes anymore, <laughs> but but that's what you're doing. I never thought of you being, as you say, convenience, the battleground right now for consumers. Transactional personalization, it's absolutely fascinating. Thank you. Leslie Peterson, get in on this. I want to say this party. What do you think about everything that Kevin just said? Comments, please. No, I mean, absolutely. And I, and I, and I love the fact that, you know, you're thinking about it in terms of, you know, consumer packaged goods. And, and similarly, as we look at the industry, we're also thinking about it, uh, you know, as, as a retail organization, as an entertainment organization, and, and looking at the different ways to bring the different, um, industries, uh, and perspectives that might be happening, um, to help to support that. And so, um, you know, very much on the front lines and making sure that the experience and the accessibility to the solutions uh, to, to the lottery tickets, uh, whether it's online or it's actually in the retailer store, um, is, is so key. So, you know, I, yeah, super, super excited about the possibilities as, as BCLC is looking forward on their on their journey journey ahead. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Pat Davis, join us. What do you think? Yeah, I think one of the interesting things in this area that connects to our topic today around the kinetic enterprise is the fact that in the lottery space, our business there is primarily today an anonymous business. So really, as Kevin said, we're battling in in a uh, sort of forward-facing consumer space that really is about uh, service and packaging and marketing and communication. But the real key for us, as we've seen in Europe and other areas in the world, is how do you move that anonymous business to one that's more known, where you're able to create more engagement, more relationship with your consumers or your players in our case. And, you know, for a kinetic enterprise, that means that your systems and your platforms really need to have that flexibility to be able to converge all of those pieces and use both what's available physically at retail and a convenience store as well as things for us like digital signage, mobile devices, digital platforms, online apps, those sorts of things. And all of those, as Kevin said, are tools for us in that battleground that we believe that we're trying to win in. Thank you very much. Sean Hennessy, love to get your thoughts before we move to a new topic. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's really interesting, and, and I think it's a bit of a um, you know wake-up call for for a lot of individuals that operate businesses like myself, where we have to you know try to think about how do we staff engagement for organizations like this when uh, when they're looking for that experience that doesn't traditionally mean that you've worked in a gambling business before. So you know it, it, it isn't always natural for us to think along the lines of hey you know it's it's the lottery corporation we should make sure that people with experience working for Coca Cola or Nestle etc are 
brought to those engagements. So, you know, I think it's a real learning for our organization to, and others like us to start thinking about, you know, is it, it, it when we talk about, uh, you know, the energy and re- or oil and gas companies, maybe it's more about mining or, or maybe it's more about transportation organizations and trying to make sure that we're thinking beyond what is traditionally how we've serviced companies in the past to, you know, you know, is the casino more about operating and maintaining assets than it is about trying to figure out, you know, what have we done in the past um, with casino organizations. So I think it's a real good, you know, eye-opener for organizations like ours to make sure that we're bringing talent from a cross-section of industry to help solve these problems because we don't, they aren't necessarily looking at themselves like we look at them, um, you know, from, a, from a, you know, a point in time. Thank you very much. Great conversation around the table. Leslie Peterson, you're up next. I'm looking at statement number three you sent me. I think it's time that we talked about this because I don't think we've touched on it yet. You say, with the explosion of customer data capture points, speed of technical change, and rapid release of offerings to customers, the protection of the information is paramount to the integrity of the brand. Leslie, what are they collecting? <laughs> Where's the privacy? Who Who's opening that commercial? and saying, oh, so-and-so was online gambling for three hours. Does anybody get to know that? Leslie, talk to me. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so there's a couple of dimensions to this. So, um, you know, everyone, including Lottery and Gaming, as well as other retail organizations, are very focused on trying to capture and get as much insight about the customers and the players that they have as possible, um, you know, with respecting their privacy at the same time. And so how can you do that, you know, using, um, you know, anonymous data points, whether it's something around, you know, say, postal code jurisdiction or, um, uh, you know, other, other things that identify from a demographic perspective, et cetera. And so um, as we start to think about this and we think about people's attention to privacy, it's, it's really quite interesting because if you if you actually do some of the surveys, 95% of customers are actually okay to give away some of their personal information to help create a different kind of experience. And so I think there's a lot of the discussion around, well, what's that gray line with where, you know, uh, too much, you know, when is information too much? And, um, mm-hmm. and so as we look at that and we look at how we apply that um, uh, in terms of the use of that information and the security of that information, um, you know, how, how do we be sure uh, to ensure that we've got that and we've got it neatly knit? And I worry as we think about the speed of technology, the speed with which, um, you know, new applications are being released into uh, the consumer marketplace um, without perhaps adequate testing. Um, you know, you think about, you know, the breach of the credit cards uh, from Target. You think about the breach of the mm-hmm. uh, Marriott uh, loyalty information program. So, sure. so how do you how do you create confidence, but also how do you gather enough information to be impactful in terms of how you can better serve and support your your customer or your player? Thank you very much. That is certainly opening the door to a, a huge topic of concern to every industry. Pat Davis at BCLC, please join us. Comments on what Leslie just shared or offered to us. Leslie raises an absolutely fascinating point. And mm-hmm. for us, Watery is very much a trust-based business. And yes. so our players won't actually engage with us if they don't see and believe in the integrity of what we offer. And so this area around data protection, you know, we just finished talking a bit about how do we create these new experiences? How do we understand our players better, connect with them more? But this is this very interesting tipping point we're at right now where you see data protection legislation moving more restrictive like GDPR in Europe, 
You see mm-hmm. things like um, the cases around Cambridge Analytica and what's happening there and the backlash, mm-hmm. uh, as well as things like new technologies like facial recognition and AI and the concerns around privacy, the ethics of that. You're seeing some uh, cities, as an example, North America, starting to put a pause on some of these things or perhaps ban them. But I think the point that Leslie raises that's so interesting is where does it make sense? It makes sense from the consumer's perspective, where they're really willing to engage in these things and have it create a better and different experience and really provide differentiation. Because if I can get, you know, a value equation that makes a lot of sense to me, that one that I really want to uh, take advantage of, then I'm willing to do these things and engage appropriately. And for us, it's really finding that right balance, engaging correctly, and putting the right security, obviously, and controls around all of these so these are really big conversations, both within our business, but also with our colleagues, our partners uh, out broader in the industry. And and I think, um, you know, it's going to be a debate, I believe, that ramps up dramatically in the next several years as the change in technology and the power of that continues to escalate in this, uh, you know, pull and, and the tension that exists around that. Thank you. And Pat, before I move around the table to Sean and then to Kevin to get their comments and Leslie's statement, I want to just drop in your statement number three you sent me, which I I think is a, a nice way of, of finishing off this part of your part of this conversation. You say every great experience a customer has sets a new benchmark and new expectation for every interaction that follows with every other company. I'm just going to leave that one on the table, but I wanted to add that there because I think that's where you were going with it. So forgive me for just doing that briefly, but let me move on, and then we'll come back to you when I have another statement picked out for you. Uh, Sean Hennessy, let's go around to you. Thoughts on this idea of what did uh, Pat just said, Lottery is absolutely a trust-based business. Talk to me about what Leslie brought up and what Pat added, please, Sean. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting point right now because, you know, more and more we're seeing, you know, data and information being migrated to the cloud and being managed by hyperscalers. And and, and that's creating this idea of these nimble organizations that can react. And and, and with that, though, comes a concern that's created, you know, from the user's perspective of of where is my data actually residing and, and how, uh, you know, how much access does the world have to, to myself? And what's interesting about this is that, the organizations themselves are, are looking to try to do this to protect players, to try to create some great opportunities to make sure that they're, mm-hmm. they're, be, they're getting a better user experience, et cetera. And I, I think that, you know, what's important as, uh, to the game, to, to the player community is, and, and, and more broadly to, um, to, to business in general is to start building that trust and just making sure that, that they understand that, that the intent of the usage of those data is absolutely for the betterment of them, not to game against them or, or, or try to figure out ways to, to, uh, you know, maximize the revenue off of players or, or, or but, but rather to try to make sure that they're, they're in a, an enjoyable space that is, that is making sure that they understand the players well enough and uh, that, that they're getting a, a great experience and they're protected in their own right. So I think, you know, what's really important here is that, you know, we start being, you know, making sure that individuals understand how the data is protected, but also how it's going to be used uh, and, and for the purposes of good and, and not evil. And I think that's something that, you know, we need to start, we, we probably need to, as we grow as a society, make sure that people are, understand um, why organizations want to collect this information. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Let's move on to Kevin Gass. Join us on this conversation. 
Thanks, Bonnie. So I think, um, let's be honest, I think this whole issue of privacy is the issue of the day when it comes to personalization and getting to know you and all those kinds mm-hmm. of things. I think if we were to be honest with ourselves, this has been a bit of the, of the Wild West for some time now. And as a consequence, you're now seeing governments, Europe, California, elsewhere, regulate the use of personal information, which, by the way, I think is a good thing. Um, The flip side of this, I believe, is that trust, and Pat talked about trust, trust can be, will become a competitive advantage for companies. In other words, um, people will give and share their information if they trust that that company will use it responsibly and that that company will give them control over their own information. So I think as we look to the future, I think trust, uh, particularly as as it pertains to personal information could well become a competitive advantage in the marketplace. I think that's a quotable moment there, sir. I like that a lot. Thank you very much. And speaking of quotable, quotable, well, thank you. Quotable moments. I'm moving on to a statement from Pat Davis. Uh, Leslie, that was a, a great topic to take around the table. Thank you for that. Pat Davis has something. I don't think we've talked about this yet, and even if we have, I want to go through this again. Pat Davis says, analytics, and more importantly, the insights gained from them are the linchpin to deriving customer value. Don't be data rich and insight poor. That's a quotable right there. Pat, what are you talking about? What kind of analytics are is BCLC using, and what are you doing with them? Sure. I think us and many organizations out there are getting really, really good at acquiring a lot of data, a lot of information, and some of that excuse me, is very much related to customers directly. So whether they sign up for promotions, whether they sign up for accounts with you, et cetera. But a lot of that information, when we think about the world of things like connected devices and IoT devices and this broader set of data around how people are moving, how they're moving through facilities and stores and and places or how they're interacting, how long they're staying there and what they're doing, all of those become data points in our new world. And the question is, that's great to have, but what value are you generating out of that? Mm-hmm. So um, just acquiring reams and reams of data and proliferating all of this stuff uh, and you see these huge you know, ramp-ups and the amount of storage and data that's being created in the world. But again, why? And I think the why question is really critical. So as an organization, how are you treating this as an asset? How are you deriving value from it? And how are you asking, bluntly, the right questions, which is really what I get to about insights. It's key about the insights. What do you need to understand and how do you ask those right questions? And it's difficult. Uh, we've seen a rise in things like data science, but it's really hard to get people thinking and asking those right questions to generate the insights that will drive value for your organization. Very important. Ask the right questions. That's another quotable moment there. I'm going to quickly go around the table and just give each of you a minute to comment, and then we're going to do a quick predictions round. We're nearing, we have eight minutes left to the show. So Sean Hennessy comments on don't be data rich and insight poor. What do you think? Well, yeah, I think, you know, Pastor, is a very good point, and the reality is that there's so much data being created um, today that there's this, and, 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 you know, analytics has been one of those things that people have been saying for years that we need to get better at and trying to figure out 
you know, the, the how that data is actually, you know, manifesting itself on in good reports. And, and I think what's, what's happening now and more and more is that people are worried less about the report. The report really is to justify the insight. And, uh, and what we're trying to, you know, I think where we're evolving to is organizations are going to actually start, um, start believing that the data is giving them the right analytics. And we're going to start seeing the actual, the systems themselves telling us the insight that it's getting from it as well. And if you look at, like, you know, um, our kids and, and the way that they're interacting with their data today, they're not asking to see reports. They're asking for an answer when they, you know, uh, look at their devices and, and they're telling them, they're asking the questions to, to give them an answer right out of it. So I think we're actually going to get into uh, even beyond the point of, of the analytic itself, but rather have the system start actually, um, you know, hypothesizing and giving us those mm-hmm. insights and, and, and those immediate answers and reacting to that. And, uh, and, and that only comes when, you know, we, we get comfortable with the fact that our data is, is good enough that uh, the, the, the machines that can, can generate their own analytics and therefore predict and, and, and allow us some of the insights that, that the data is telling us. Thank you, Sean. Kevin Gass, join us briefly. What do you think? Very quickly, very quickly, listen to the insights that you get out of this information and don't let your existing personal or institutional orthodoxies influence how you perceive that new information. That's all I have to say. Mm, interesting. Leslie Peterson, thoughts on what Pat shared, please. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, you know, that's the biggest, uh, the biggest challenge is that, you know, people get, organizations are overwhelmed by the amount of data and the information that they have. And, and I think, you know, to, to Sean's point as well, as you start to look forward, it's going to be much more about, um, you know, scenarios like, well, what if and if I could do and, and what would the outcome be if I did this? So it's you know, very much less backward looking, much more forward looking. And how can you use it to actually help predict things of the future, which actually ties very nicely into where I think you want to go next. But yes. um, I think I, I think that um, you know there's people struggle with that, and I think the key is you know be, being someone that practices in this domain, you know start small but think big, and so you know just start to, to chip away at the iceberg. Most of the data is actually below the surface, and the insight that you can get from that, but it's all from context, and so Thanks. if you don't have context to support the data points, the insight is mm-hmm. going to be less meaningful. Very well put. Thank you all. Pat, thanks for a great topic there. I'm going to go around the table. We have just a few minutes. I'm going to give you each, I'll give you a choice, either 60 seconds or one long sentence, or it could be the same amount. I want to know, where do you think this is all going, the concept of the gaming industry and trust perhaps as a new currency and setting the bar higher and using those analytics, gaining the insights, the concept of lottery as a consumer package good competing with everything in the store. So, huge topic, and I, I can't t- tell the four of you enough how grateful I am for all of the great input you sent me. So, let's go around the table. 60 seconds or one long sentence that's not more than 60 seconds long. Sean Hennessy at Deloitte, what's your prediction on where this is all heading between now and 2025? Your choice. Uh, yeah, so, you know, 2025, you know, in, in, in technology terms is a long way away, but in evolutionary terms of how we can adopt and, and embrace technology is, is only five years. So, you know, when I think about what is going to happen within those five years, I think the technology is, is certainly going to continue to evolve really quick, but 
What what happens in that time frame is I think we start seeing all of this data kind of measuring, you know, blowing up into the cloud. We start seeing our ERP data kind of on all the hyperscalers, and we start seeing, you know, those people that are, you know, 16-year-olds that are now kind of grown up with the Hey Siri and the Hey Alexa type world expecting to see start getting data insights out of that out of that information with that type of user interface. So I'm expecting that, you know, kind of by 2025, we're going to start seeing the the Hey series and the Hey Googles and the, uh, you know, the types of interfacing for business. So you can kind of walk out to an asset and say, you know, Hey, you know, Siri, when was the last time this asset was maintained or into finance mm-hmm. and say, you know, it's week three of period four. You know, how are we measuring off from our revenue from last year? And I think the interface with our information is going to be a lot. I think that voice piece is really going to come into play within the next five years at the same level mm-hmm. it is for our personal lives today. Thank you very much. Sean, uh, Sean Hennessy, Sean Hennessy, Kevin Gass. I can give you 30 seconds because we are running late now. Go ahead. What's your prediction, Kevin? Very quickly, I'm going to focus on marketing. Lottery is a huge subscriber to, to traditional marketing. Today at BCLC, 75% is traditional, 25% is digital social. Five years from now, those ratios are going to be reversed. 75% of our marketing will be social and digital, and 25% will be traditional. Brilliant prediction. Thank you. Leslie Peterson, what do you see in that crystal ball about gaming? Go ahead. Yeah, I have a bit of a balanced view on this one. Um, I do believe that, you know, with the advent of the technology and engagement with uh, with our mobile and, and you know, our phones and, and various other forms of technology, there's been an isolation of the past where people are actually doing things independently in an isolated way. I think that there's just by human nature, there's a craving for interaction and engagement with people. And so as I, you know, spent some time, you know, walking the floor at the, at the conference, I do think that there is going to be more of that, um, you know, whether it's, it's gaming, in a stadium kind of concept where you've got other people beside you and, you know, a bit of like going to a game and, and those types of things. I think we're going to see a little bit more evolution in that domain. So um, I think there's going to be a balance between, you know, heavy and heavy technology and the connectedness of people. Thank you. I love that. And Pat Davis, you're up. What do you see in that crystal ball? I really see the application of a lot of things we've talked about, creating these seamless and frictionless experiences and interactions uh, for our customers and really giving control of those experiences to the customer uh, on their own. And they get to really decide what they want, how they want to consume it, and, and in what channels and manners. Thank you very much. I want to thank the four of you for giving me entree into your world. I found it fascinating. I appreciate how savvy and articulate all of you are, and thank you for sharing your knowledge and your insights with me and the listeners. So, Sean Hennessy at Deloitte, great appreciation. Kevin Gass at BCLC, pleasure to meet you. Leslie Peterson at Deloitte, keep that energy up. And Pat Davis, wow, all I can say is the four of you are quite an awesome foursome. And I have to do, of course, a thank you to the sponsor team for this series at Deloitte. Malia Aguilar always does a great job. Carla Neal Slavin and Helen Thomas, thank you to the three of you. And thank you to Ezra, my engineer at World Talk Radio and Ryan Treasure today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for Deloitte kinetic enterprise have a great one thank you for listening to the kinetic enterprise built to evolve presented by deloitte be sure to join host bonnie d graham next friday at 6 a.m pacific time and 9 a.m eastern time on the voice america business channel 
Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.